This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, December 11th, 2011. Great Expectations, The Place. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the way that you work in and through our lives, those times when we recognize it and times when we don't, times when we miss it altogether. Almighty God, open up our hearts this morning that we can hear the message intended for each one of us. It is incredible how you can speak into our lives individually, yet collectively. And so use this time, Lord, to draw us together as a family called Connection and to draw us toward you more and more. We pray this in your most awesome and blessed name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. So great expectations. Um, The Hebrew people had great expectations of the Messiah who was to come thanks to the words of many prophets from the uh, Old Testament. Uh, The last two weeks, we looked at the words of the prophet Isaiah, who lived about 700 years before Jesus. Today, we look at a guy who lived at about the same time frame as he did, a guy named Micah and the prophecy that he shared. Now, Micah is found in the Old Testament, kind of hard to find Micah, but it's toward the back of the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And Micah, as Alan said, was a prophet. He was a man, a human, used by God to share God's truth, to share God's message. Now, Micah foretells what's going to happen. He foretells the fall of Samaria, which is the capital of Israel. And that's the result of the people being disobedient turning from God. Micah's prophecy really does come to pass during Micah's lifetime as the city of Samaria and the entire northern kingdom of Israel does indeed fall in 722-721 B.C. Now, Micah also uh, spoke to his own people. He was from the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel. southern kingdom was Judah. He spoke to his own people in Judah of a crisis that they would experience as well. Their capital, Jerusalem, would be under siege from that same army, Assyria, in 701 B.C. And the king, Hezekiah, was was totally ineffective against this external threat from a military standpoint, but he was very faithful. And because of uh, Hezekiah's faithful prayers, uh, they were answered, and that city, Jerusalem, was spared at least temporarily. Eventually, though, in 586, more than 100 years later, Jerusalem did fall, as we've shared before, to the Babylonians. And so it's in the midst of the original threat to Jerusalem, the one that's in 701 B.C., that God offers a word of hope to God's people through the prophet Micah. He gives Micah the message to declare that a new ruler will be born in Bethlehem, in the region of Ephrathah, the traditional home of David, the house of David. 
Here's what Micah shares. It's Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor, gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will say with me, be there peace. He'll come from David's town, Bethlehem. He'll come from the tribe of Judah. It will be the end of Israel until the Savior comes. He will be shepherd to the flock, the strength, his strength in God. He will bring security and will be known to what? The ends of the earth. Wow. We like the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this scripture. Here's how Peterson shares it. He says, but you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. Meanwhile, Israel will be in foster homes until the birth pangs are over and the child is born. And the scattered brothers come back home to the family of Israel. He will stand tall in his shepherd rule by God's strength, centered in the majesty of God revealed. And the people will have a good and safe home, for the whole world will hold him in respect peacemaker of the world. Hmm. Who knows what the prophet, prophet Micah was thinking when he actually wrote this. What we can kind of be sure of is that he probably expected the shepherd ruler to show up much sooner than he did. And as we've shared before, Jerusalem did fall along with the rest of Israel in 586 B.C., to the Babylonians. That was the end of the nation of Israel until 1948. That's a long time. Now, the Hebrew people, though, through the prophetic word of Micah, even though Micah didn't mention the Messiah, as time went by, these words of Micah became an anchor for them to hold on to, became a promise of the one who would save the Hebrew people, for the one who would give them freedom, the anointed one who would bring salvation. And even though Micah might not have realized it at that time, this prophetic word pointed to the one born in a manger, the one born in Bethlehem some 700 years later. Isn't that incredible? 700 years later. And so the Hebrew people had great expectations of the one who would come, of the one who would again lead Israel, of the one who would save God's people. Now here's the challenge. (laughs) How can Jesus be born in Bethlehem when Mary and Joseph live in Nazareth, a town about 80 miles to the north? And in fact, why would they be in Bethlehem 
when they live 80 miles away? Well, Luke gives us the answer. In those days, Caesar Augustus, now that was the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so what brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem wasn't attempting their attempt at fulfilling this Old Testament prophecy, but it was a decree a decree from the most powerful secular ruler of that time, Caesar Augustus. For he said that a census needed to be taken. It was an assessment of his population. It was really about an assessment of his tax base. (laughs) They didn't decide to travel because of what the prophet Micah said. They traveled because of what the emperor said. Now, how surprised would Caesar Augustus be when he realized, although he didn't know this, that he would be used by God to make, to help fulfill this prophecy? Wow. It reminds us how many years before God used Cyrus. He was a non-believing Persian leader who defeated the Babylonians, God used him to bring the Hebrews people back to um, Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. God now uses Caesar Augustus, who claims to be a God himself. That's an important little piece of this. Here's Caesar Augustus, you know, I am God. Well, the one most high God, the one and only God, uses this man and his census to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, thus fulfilling the 700-year-old prophecy of Micah. That's interesting. Why is it so important that the birth take place in Bethlehem? I know it's important to fulfill the prophecy, but why was it prophesied? Why was that so crucial? Well, on the one hand, on the one hand, once again, it connects Jesus to David. See, this Bethlehem is David's hometown. Once again, the people are reminded that Jesus is a shoot from the stump of Jesse, David's father, that he's descended from the tribe of Judah, David's tribe, that he's of the house and lineage of David. Yeah. And even more than that, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem has reminded people over for over 2,000 years that God is in control. God is in control. Caesar Augustus may have thought that he was in charge. He was that big ruler back then. He was the emperor. He was God. No, not at all. 
because our God, our God of all creation, God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God used Caesar's decree for God's benefit. God used Caesar's decree for God's benefit, for God's purposes, for God's glory. And even though Caesar was very, very far from God, Caesar didn't even recognize the God of Israel because he thought he was God. God used Caesar's earthly decision to fulfill that prophecy from 700 years before. I think that's incredible. We are reminded that God doesn't forget, that God keeps God's promises, that God delivers on what God says God's going to do. So what does that mean? This is always the question we try to ask. What's that mean for you and me here in 2011, almost 2012? Well, if, if God can fulfill a prophecy 700 years later using someone who doesn't even know him, what do you think God might be able to do for us? What do you think God might be able to do with us? The God who brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem is the same God who can bring you and me to places that we would never have imagined on our own. This God of prophecy, if if he can fulfill a 700-year prophecy, don't you think that God can take care of problems that we have no idea how we could take care of them ourselves? (laughs) This, This God who can see far, far, far in the future knows your future and my future. He knows what we're suffering with. He knows what our challenges are. If he can take Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem 700 years after it was told, he can certainly take us to the place we need to be. Well, the irony of all this is that when Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem and they tried to find shelter, you know what happened. There was no room in the inn. No room in the inn. Now, if God knew 700 years in advance that Mary and Joseph were going to go to Bethlehem, which actually God did know, then don't you think that God could have called and made reservations for them? Well, God didn't do that, and... We believe it's for good reason, because it reminds us of something extremely important. It reminds us that this king of ours, king of kings, lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the Lion of Judah, the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, that his birth in a stable, a manger for his crib, This reminds us that this king is like no earthly king. Now, Caesar Augustus, the secular king, he had it all. He had a palace. He had servants. He had money, all the earthly riches that anybody could ever imagine. 
Caesar Augustus had all the things that we may want as well. And it's a little bit different in our culture, but we still strive for some of the things that Caesar Augustus did as well. And even with all that, we find that Caesar was just a human, plain and simple, no more, no less. With all that he had, he couldn't do anything for us, could he? He could not do a single thing. He could not save himself, nor could he save any one of us here. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, born in a stable, laid in a manger, he was born to serve, not be served. And he was not only born to serve, but he was also born to save. Save you and me. His birth in Bethlehem reminds us that the way things are and the way things appear are often very, very different. On that night, on that night, virtually everybody in town had heard of Caesar Augustus. I mean, that's why most of them were there, because he had called the census. They had heard his call. I didn't have email and all that. I don't know how he got the word out, but he did. And that's why the place, that's why there's no room in the inn, because the place was just teeming with people that night in town for the census. And they'd heard of this Caesar Augustus guy. He was the one they recognized. He was the one with the power, or so they thought, so it seemed. Now, on that night in that little stable, Mary and Joseph... And a little while later, a few shepherds from a field nearby, they were the only ones, only earthly ones, aware of this birth of this child, Jesus. Very small circle. And yet, and yet it is that child and not Caesar who we worship here today. Isn't that amazing? You know, we bow down not to Caesar, but to Christ. And it's to him that we give the honor and the glory now and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the people had great expectations of the one who they waited for, the one who would be born in Bethlehem. And we do too. We have great expectations because Bethlehem reminds us basically of two things. First thing is that things are not always as they appear. Things are not always as they appear. You see, when Jesus is in the picture, things could turn 180 degrees. When Jesus walked on the scene, things change. Can I get an amen on that? Absolutely. For instance, like his birth, a king born in a stable. Second, with God, all things are possible. With God, say it with me, 
all things are possible. All things like 700-year prophecies fulfilled. All things like our lives that maybe have just plummeted down can be given new life and hope. All things like when we're struggling with, with uh, a habit or an addiction, it can be gone with the power of Christ in our lives. All things like when, when we're suffering, when there's a challenge, when we don't know what's going to happen next, that we don't have to worry about our future because we know that God's got it in God's hands, that God is in control. We know that with all things... With God, all things are possible. That's something that we need to take and put in our pocket, but not just in our pocket, in our heart. Because as we walk out of here today, anything could change on a dime for each, any one of us. But with Christ, the dark is never pitch black again. Because the light pierces the darkness Because he comes so that you and I, so that we might have life and have it to the full. Thanks to the one born in Bethlehem. That's the good news. Let's live it. Believe it. Let's pray. Almighty God, it is absolutely mind-boggling to realize that you mastermind everything so that 700 years later things could come to pass and you used ordinary people to make it happen. You used people who were, didn't even believe in you, who called themselves God and in spite of themselves, you were glorified. Well, God, in spite of ourselves, be glorified in our lives. Help us take you in and live for you, and then share the good news that you bring to our lives with those who are in need. Almighty God, it's because of you, God with us, Emmanuel, that we can indeed have great expectations. Today, tomorrow, and in all the days ahead, it's because of these great expectations, the promise found in Scripture that we can cling to and claim for our lives. We thank you. We thank you for the promise, for your love letter. We thank you for your son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.